Hey friends, welcome to God on Tap. As always, I'm Nika Swelding and we are pressing on into the book of Amos. And so today we are looking at Amos chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Amos chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Let's jump right in. Hear this word, you cows of Bashan, who are on the mountain of Samaria, who oppress the poor, who crush the needy, who say to your husbands, bring that we may drink. The Lord God has sworn by his holiness that behold, the days are coming upon you when they shall take you away with hooks, even the last of you with fish hooks, and you shall go out through the breaches, each one straight ahead, and you shall be cast out into Harmon, declares the Lord. Come to Bethel and transgress, to Gilgal and multiply transgression. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three days. Offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving of that which is leavened, and proclaim freewill offerings. Publish them. For so you love to do, O people of Israel, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Y'all, if you don't think the Lord can throw down, I just want to make sure you caught what I just read. So by way of recap, God is ratcheting up his language. He is being provocative. He is telling them after, hey, you've done wrong. He's now starting to let them know this is what's going to happen to you if you don't repent. And y'all, he straight up goes after the housewives of Israel who drink the wine from the people that their husbands oppress. This would be far more like... Do you think Real Housewives on Bravo is some entertainment? Here we have Amos, a farmer, rolling up into Israel, rich, prospering Israel. And he's talking about in the last chapter, he's like, we're going to come for your summer houses. We're going to come for your winter houses. Like He's talking about people's stuff. And then today, he looks at those women. He's like, hey, listen up, you cows. What? I mean, that's just crazy, y'all. For sure. For sure. Because can you think of a more humiliating animal to be called? I mean, maybe they're out there. I don't know. I don't want to like hate on animals because I think they're all part of good creation from God. But I just feel like some animals just don't exactly inspire. Like nobody's like, oh, my spirit animal, the, the one that chews the cud, the one that stands in the field and, you know, is mostly just used for what they can provide. Not exactly smell good, fierce animal. Like, I've never heard somebody say my spirit animal is a cow. So now you got a farmer coming to these, to these women who are married to the oppressive men, and they are participants in that oppression. They do not get a pass. And so Amos goes from talking about their stuff to talking about them. And this is continuing in that theme of provocative language for the hope of repentance, what is more provocative than a bunch of women who are sitting around drinking the wine, telling them, bring us the wine. We don't care where it comes from. We don't care that mothers and children are being oppressed. I mean, for all the women out there listening, there's something about the sisterhood that we got to keep real, right? Like you, you don't, as a woman, get to just like take your woman cart and throw it on the table and be like, oh, is this good wine? Is, is this from the Bordeaux region? Um, is this Normandy wine? Where did you get it from? Oh, you oppressed a mother and her children? That's fine, as long as the wine be good. No, no. Women, 
If you happen to be married to oppressive men or dating them or around them or near them or within a stone's throw away from them, it is our responsibility to seek justice and the welfare of those around us. It is not okay for us to participate in the oppression by because maybe we're not at the hands like doing the oppression like you can't imagine that these women are necessarily the ones out there in the marketplace selling the righteous for silver like their husbands have done but if you are profiting off of oppression you are an oppressor let me say that again if you are profiting personally financially emotionally spiritually winology off of oppression you are an oppressor and we have a problem with that in this country We have a problem with that in our systems and for where many of us are living, and we have to recognize that. So it's it's almost comical that Amos is calling them cows of Bashan. It's almost comical except for the fact of what they're participants in. And so here's my call to everybody, whether you're a woman or a man. If you are participating in the oppression of others by profiting off of it and turning a blind eye to their oppression, you are a participant in it. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you that is a broad blanket. And sometimes you're not made aware. But once you are, once you know better, then you got to do better, as they say. Then this passage takes an even funnier turn. So you got Amos, the farmer. I just just keep thinking like Stetson man, cowboy boots and hat. He's like, listen here, cows are bashing. Y'all better stop drinking that wine. And then he transitions, and this is a very interesting couple of verses in verses 4 and 5 because you're it's a little bit, you're like, what is God saying here? Like, is we just talked about yesterday that Bethel worship is always idolatrous, and now he's saying to them, come to Bethel and transgress. God, God's not really, he's not asking them to do that. Yes, you got to read it in the, you're, you're correct is my point. You, you have to read this literarily, as Jen Wilkin always says. This is him bringing derision towards them by using humor. Okay, so imagine somebody's being disobedient to you and or like I don't even have to imagine, right? So like think about it. You you got you're in the you're driving along the road and all of a sudden somebody like blows by you and then they realize, "Oh my gosh, like I don't have enough space to get over because my exit's here. Never mind that I've just like passed 100 cars. And then I realize, oh, gosh, that is my exit. Let me just like right in front of you. And what do we say? Oh, sure, sure, sure. Go ahead. Just come in my lane. That's fine. Go ahead. Go ahead and hit your brakes, mister. It's your world. It's your world. We're all just driving in it, right? We do that. That's a little bit of what God is doing here. Oh, sure, sure. Go ahead. Go to Bethel. Go ahead and transgress. And he uses very specific language about what they're doing. He talks about offering a sacrifice at Thanksgiving, which is leavened. It should be unleavened. And he tells them, he's like, go ahead and proclaim your free will offerings. Go ahead and publish them. They're not supposed to be published. You do those in the secret, in the place where only you and the Lord know what you're doing. Amos is continuing to use derision as a means by which to provoke them. Right? We, We do this to people to try and point out their foolishness. Right? As an aunt, I, I do this sometimes to my nieces and nephews. I'm like, oh, go ahead. Keep whining. Yeah, yeah, Go ahead. Whine some more. That's that's really effective. Keep keep on doing that. Yeah, I'm definitely going to help you now, now that you're whining and crying about that. Yes, I am a cruel aunt. That's exactly what, what's true of how I aunt. But no, we, we, we do that sometimes as a way to reveal to people the foolishness of their behavior. So Amos is going up to Israel and he's continuing to ratchet it up. We have in the, and I talked about in these chapters three through six, is this 
is this literary marker. Hear this word. This is another unit where Amos is trying to get their attention. Hear this word. You fattened housewives who participate in oppression. You've got to stop this or there's going to be consequences. And by the way, here's some derision from the Lord so as to provoke you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Multiply your transgressions. Certainly there can't be a negative to that. Go ahead. Go ahead and publish them as you like to do. And it's not permission. This, we don't read this literally as like, oh, okay, well, God says we can do it. No, nobody's going to think that. What they're going to think is, well, what they're hopefully going to think is, is, oh, God, God's very aware of what we're doing. God's in- incredibly aware of the fact that we go around and we give the leaven bread for that offering and we publish that offering. He, he's aware that we go to Bethel and, and multiply our transgressions. It's a way of God to declaring to them, I know what you're doing. And likewise declaring to them, do you not realize how foolish that sounds? By me encouraging you to do it, it reveals to you just how silly it is that you're doing it. And he uses Amos as a mouthpiece in order for them to understand just how ridiculous that they're being. And so what, what's the so what for us today? I, uh, hmm. There's so many different ways I can go with this, but I, I really think this is important. So much so that this is going to be a short lesson because I really want you to pray about this at the end. Our transgressions are not isolated. Okay, so when he says come to Bethel and offer these things, there's a communal aspect to worship. So I'm a pastor. I'm a a resident theologian at at a church called St. Jude Oak Cliff. What I lead my people in can be collectively brought about for their good and the glory of God, or it can be collectively brought about for our demise. So if, if we had a way to worship God that was not honoring to God and we just kept going in that way, where we oppressed the people around us, we ignored the plight of the poor, or we continued to whatever these, whatever the, the New Testament equivalent of this, of this inappropriate worship is, and we, we can all think of ideas of what that is, it's not individual. What we do has a corporate effect on those around us. So what's my point in that? I'm serious when I say if you benefit and profit from oppression, if you not only participate in but lead inappropriate practices of worship, you are, you are harming not just yourself but others around you. So I'm just going to focus specifically on if you profit from oppression, And I'm telling you right now, if you live in America, there's a good chance that you do. There's a very good chance that you do. Probably if you live anywhere, there's a good chance that you do. But I'm going to use my country because uh, I'm sad for her. And I can use my city too in Dallas. I'm sad for her. And me being a white woman who understands the privilege that I carry with that, I have certainly profited from that at times. And for that, we have to learn those areas where we would say, oh, This privilege that I'm receiving, this profit that I'm gaining is coming at the cost of someone else. And it lowers their ability to thrive and it lowers their ability to 
to flourish in a land that I believe we should all be flourishing in. When God says you should have no poor among you, that you should care for these people around you, it's because in his kingdom ethics, there's always bounty in the kingdom of God. We should not look at it as if there's only so much good wine. In God's kingdom, the wine flows freely. We don't have to hoard what we have and push others down so that we can have more. The idea is in the kingdom of God is there's abundance. He provides. So if we run out, we ask him for more. So that being said, here's my so what. I think we all have to take time in our lives to look seriously at what God is frustrated about in this passage. And it's those who maybe aren't directly participating in the oppression, but they are directly receiving a benefit from it. And he's calling them out too. He's calling them out too because they're participating in a system of injustice. And so here's my question to you. is When was the last time you sat down and took inventory of your life? Of areas that maybe God is trying to put a spotlight on for you. Areas in the kingdom of God where you've hoarded when you should have been giving away. Areas in the kingdom of God where you have, you have whether knowingly or unknowingly pushed others down so that you could get ahead. And what are those areas of which you could repent and make amends and restitution? It's something to leave you with to pray about, think about. I know this isn't, I know this isn't a fun topic. But it's one the people of God have to take seriously. So that's my challenge to you, is just spend the next, I don't know, couple of minutes asking God to show you, are there areas that I am benefiting from and it's led to oppression of those around me? And how can I go a different way to make sure that I see the flourishing and the, and the growth of everyone around me? Thanks for tuning in, friends. If nobody's told you today that they love you, I do. But way more importantly, God does. Peace.